From Public Radio International, this is The World. A co-production of the BBC World Service, PRI, and WGBH Boston. It's Monday, March 14th. I'm Marco Werman. Japan tries to cool nuclear reactors at a power station damaged in the earthquake and tsunami. Meanwhile, millions of Japanese are struggling. People don't have enough to eat, and I have seen people out scouring the streets trying to find a shop which has anything that they can buy. People are living off dry noodles. Also, Harris finds young roommates for senior citizens. Students help around the house in exchange for a place to live. For one year, it's a really great experience. The news is next. BBC News with Ian Purden. Japan has asked for international help as it battles to cool nuclear reactors at a power station damaged in Friday's earthquake and tsunami. Nuclear regulators in the United States say they've been asked to provide water and other resources to the Fukushima plant. The head of the United Nations nuclear agency, Yukiya Amano, said that the IAEA has also been asked for help. Kerry Skyring reports from Vienna. Yukiya Amano gives a reassuring assessment of Japan's handling of its nuclear crisis. The plants have been shaken, flooded and cut off from electricity, he says, and their workers have suffered personal tragedies. But despite all that, the reactor vessels have held and radioactive release is limited. He does not believe it will resemble the disaster at Chernobyl 25 years ago. Responding to criticism that his agency was slow to provide information to the public, he said he will not try to second-guess the people on the ground. He described the events of the last few days as truly unprecedented. Millions of people in the affected areas of Japan's northeast are spending a fourth night without water, food, electricity or gas. About 2,000 bodies were found washed ashore along the coastline on Monday. Tens of thousands of people are still unaccounted for. But, as Chris Hogg in Tokyo explains, rescuers have not given up hope of finding survivors. People still are being found alive, and I think that um, the rescuers, as is always the case in this kind of situation, rescuers from all over the world, but the Japanese ones as well, uh, they will be very reluctant to give up until they feel that there is absolutely no chance at all of finding anybody alive. This was a devastating double disaster. One of the particular difficulties, though, is still getting to the more remote areas. We've heard people saying that it's more helicopters that are needed uh, in order to get to those places. Another of our correspondents, Alastair Leithhead, is in the town of Minamisanriku, where a thousand more bodies have been found. Continuing alerts are causing deep anxiety there. As the roads have gradually been cleared, people have started drifting back to see what they can salvage. But the aftershocks are quite strong. Suddenly there was panic, as word spread of another tsunami coming. Well, then somebody came up the hill saying that there was another tsunami coming. And everyone's just running now to try and get as far inland as possible. We don't know if it's coming or not, but it's too risky not to run. It didn't come. But regular aftershocks don't help people's nerves. The crisis in Japan has led to growing international concern about the safety of nuclear power. The German Chancellor Angela Merkel has decided to look again at a decision to extend the life of Germany's ageing nuclear plants. Switzerland has suspended plans to build new nuclear power stations pending a thorough safety review. World News from the BBC. 
Arab Gulf states have sent security forces into neighbouring Bahrain to help the ruling family there deal with the growing Shia-led protest movement. The deployment is part of a regional cooperation agreement. James Robbins reports. Witnesses have described seeing about 150 Saudi Arabian armoured troop carriers and other vehicles entering Bahrain over the causeway that links the two Gulf kingdoms. A Saudi official said about a thousand troops had been deployed. This is the first time that any Arab government has called for outside military help during the current wave of protests sweeping the region. Bahrain's Shia Muslim majority has long complained of discrimination and dominance by the Sunni minority, including the ruling royal family. Bahrain's predominantly Sunni neighbours are clearly nervous about their own position. Opposition forces in Libya say they've come under heavy attack by troops loyal to Colonel Gaddafi in the key...